This is Make a Difference Monday, where we talk about how you can make a difference in yourself, in others, and in the world around you. I'm Courtney Bullard, and today we are joined with Megan McCleary, and we're going to talk about the power of prayer. So Megan, we're going to quickly go through your top threes, and then we'll dig deeper after. So first thing, top three things you want listeners to know about you. Top three things is um, I'm a child of God. Um, I'm, a, I'm a mom uh, to a seven-year-old named Enoch and uh, a wife to my husband, Matthew. We've been married eight years um, and I live in California. Okay. So top three ways you make a difference in yourself. I, I feel like God just makes a huge difference in my life. And so being open to just uh, the Holy Spirit um, and through prayer and, and reading scripture, he's changed me um, in, in really big ways. Uh, there was a point where I didn't know him and now I know him. And so um, just being open to, to his guidance and leading in my life, just following his plan um, has taken me on really incredible journeys. So yeah, openness to God. Amen. Okay. I can't wait to dive into that more, but let's move on. Top three ways you make a difference in others. I, right now, my biggest role is being a mom and, and a wife. Um, I homeschool my boy. Um, he's not quite in school full time yet. Um, and so I love doing that. Um, I love reaching out. My husband's a pastor, so I, I work alongside him at our local church. Um, and I also work for an organization called Serve United. So we come alongside other entities and churches to kind of find service opportunities, ways for people of faith to engage with people around them. Okay, that's amazing. All right, top three ways you hope to make a difference in the world around you. Well, part of my story is my husband and I adopted our son um, from Ghana, and our heart is really to um, someday uh, reach back out uh, to that country and, and bring Enoch alongside of us and um, just give back to the country that has given us our son. Wow. Okay. I'm ready to dig in deeper. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. So one of the things that you mentioned is that you love everything outdoors. So I would love for, we all want to know what is your, maybe your favorite thing to do outdoors? Yeah, I love, um, I love living in California. There's lots of bodies of water and especially we, where we live some trails. Um, but our, our favorite thing right now is kayaking. So my husband and I, we both have a kayak and we just got our son a little kid's kayak and he just zips around uh, a lake right by our house. And so it's just a really fun activity for our families to do together and just enjoying, you know, God's creation and um, just doing that together as a family is just a huge uh, blessing for us. Yeah. Are you from California? Where are you from? I've lived in California my whole life, kind of all up and down California, but right now we live in Sacramento. So this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so your husband's a pastor. Yes. Right. And you're, and so tell me about, um, well, one, what is the best thing about being a wife to a pastor? Um, (laughs) honestly, he's always in the word. And so he's always got stuff to tell me. Um, and so he's constantly, as he's kind of seeking out God, he'll just tell me these little things that I've never heard before. And it's just, it's a fun little nugget, um, of truth that he's always learning. He's just a a lifelong learner. So it's fun to, um, to be married to someone like that. Wow. That's great. Okay. I would love for you to also tell me about the serve United. So you work for an organization called serve United and tell us more about that. Yeah. So, um, we were birthed from uh, a big, uh, outreach, uh, the, 
Luis Palau Festival. They, Luis Palau is an organization that um, does festivals kind of all around the world. And um, before they do that, they ask churches to come together and uh, serve their communities together um, in what's called a season of service. And so Serve United, it was the entity that wanted to carry that along. Um, so, so Luis Palau Association came to Sacramento in 2012. Um, and then that was our first season of service. And then every year for the next few years, we it was just a couple months at a side um, for us to just encourage churches to serve our communities. Um, and then that kind of changed into finding more long-term service opportunities um, for faith communities. So it's, it's wow. a blessing to work, um, to work for that organization. Wow, that's great. Well, I would love to dive into um, you have recently been to Ghana. Yes. <laughs> stayed for a little while, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I would love for you to share maybe why Ghana, why did you go? What led you to go to Ghana? Yeah. So um, my husband and I, we we were married about eight years ago. Um, and soon after we were married, we found out that infertility was going to be part of our story. Um, and we were just praying about, you know, how God wanted to maybe grow our family in a different way. Uh, and we felt called to international adoption. And so we did a bunch of paperwork and um, just kind of research on, on where we wanted to adopt. And we found out that Ghana was opening a program um, through our adoption agency. Uh, a new one. Um, not a lot of adoptions have happened from that country, but with a lot of prayer, um, we decided that that is what we wanted to do. And then in um, the fall of 2016, we were matched with a beautiful two-year-old boy. Um, we saw his picture, we fell in love with him, um, and we chose to move forward with him. So we got to travel in November of 2016, and we met him, and. Um, started the adoption process. So within that year, we had passed court and we had done the preliminary approval um, from immigration to be able to take him home. Um, And so I traveled to Ghana in September of 2017 um, with the intention of just being there a week or two and bringing him home because the way the process is, is um, you go there and you go to the U.S. Embassy on a Monday and you have an interview and usually by Friday you have the visa. So the plan was I was just going to go. I was going to bond with him. I was going to take him home. We were so excited. Um, But what we didn't know in the process was that the um, adoption kind of policies and laws were changing right when we were in our adoption process. And so when we got to the embassy, they said that we'd probably have to wait for a while. Um, And when I heard that news, it was very, very hard. Um, And for me, it was like the worst case scenario was I was going to be in Ghana a few weeks um, away from my husband before we get the visa. Um, But we prayed about it and we felt that I was, we chose to have me stay in Ghana and and take custody of our son while my husband stayed in the US, thinking it was just gonna be a few weeks. And um, Matthew was able to come and visit and then we thought we would come home together. Uh, And then four weeks came and went and he had to go back to work. And uh, and then weeks kind of turned into months and um, we actually 
stayed in Ghana for three years. So I lived in Ghana for three years with my son. Um, by God's grace, I was able to come home with him um, in October 2020. So it was just about three, three years and COVID kind of prolonged that process. Um, and I don't want to get into the weeds about why it took so long. Um, both governments really wanted to double check all the adoptions just to make sure that there was no child trafficking, which we totally just agree with. But um, in the process, it was just very long and very hard for a lot of families. But um, but God got us through. And right now we just have a beautiful boy. And every day I look at him and he's just a reminder of God's faithfulness in our life. And um, we love him to death. He's just he keeps us smiling. He keeps us laughing. And um, we just can't imagine our life without him. Wow. Okay. So in those three years, did you know anybody else in Ghana? Uh, not it really. It was really difficult. Um, mm -hmm. We lived in a village um, and we lived with some other kind of volunteers that were from Europe. Um, so I actually wasn't living with any Americans for a very, very long time. Um, but the way I got connected with the Pearl House actually is my husband's boss knew Courtney because my husband's boss's daughter served with the Pearl House for a season. Um, and so then I was able to uh, get connected with Courtney Garland. And I just, she was the first American in Ghana I talked to in so long. And so when I got on the phone with her, I just cried and <laughs> shared my story. And yeah. she invited me to come um, and just spend a week with them. And it was one of the most beautiful, just respite weeks, the Pearl House girls. I mean, you know this, but they're just amazing girls. Um, and they just loved on me and loved on, on my son so well. Um, and then through that um, week, Courtney also connected me with a social worker who was able to move our paperwork forward, which was a huge deal. So mm, um, it's great. It was great to be connected with Pearl House. Wow. Well, we are so excited that you were able to come and stay. And uh, I feel like I know you just because we've been praying for you. And I'm so excited I got to meet Enoch at the beginning before we started this recording. And he is precious. Um, but I would love for you to share just in those three years you're there, not really knowing anyone. How did that affect your relationship with God, your prayer life? Things maybe God taught you through that. I'd love for you to share. Yeah, it was very hard. It was it was the hardest thing um, God has ever asked me to do. There were times where I just didn't have any words to pray to God. I was praying for the same thing over and over again and just getting really frustrated um, when he wasn't answering the way I wanted him to answer. Um, there were times where I was just, you know, doubting his goodness because I was just praying and and I wasn't. I wasn't seeing results. Um, and so I was really, it was three years of just really wrestling with God. Um, so it was, it was hard. Uh, it was just a struggle. Um, one thing though, that really, really helped in that process when I didn't have words is I could hear God's words um, through the Bible. So I had lots of free time when you live in a village and you're just kind of parenting one kid um, just to be able to open his word. Um, and there's a verse in Psalm 119 that says, if the word of God had, had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Um, and that was a verse that uh, was very true to me, just uh, clinging to God's word um, through that time. And, and because I had so much time, I got to read the Bible from from cover to cover, from, from Genesis to Revelation. And I was able to see um, themes in, in the Bible and just to see that there's just 
suffering and waiting for things is just such a common thing um, throughout the whole Bible that it's just a story of people suffering and waiting and then and God rescuing them from it. And so it was just a really good um, exercise in just reading, you know, like the Old Testament stories of just like Jacob, who was in slavery for so long and God rescuing him out of that and, and Rahab, um, who was just you know, abandoned and, and God came to her and, you know, just so, so many stories, just the, the slaves who, who cried out to God and God heard their prayers. And so I was really just comforted to seeing like watching God's um, rescue for so many people. So it was kind of Old Testament narrative. And then I just thank God for the book of Psalms. I just feel like it's just God's grace to people who are suffering because mm. So much of the time I had no words to give him and no words to call out for him. But the Psalms are just a whole bunch of, of prayers that you can pray to God and you can just read those words to him. And I just spent so much time um, praying, praying the Psalms to him. And there's some Psalms that are just really good. They're just, God, why are you forsaking me? Um, and those are just words that were in my heart. Um, but just coming to the place where um, those Psalms end with trusting in God. Uh, and so they were really good Psalms for me to read. And the Psalms are also just full of his promises that he's close to the brokenhearted, that he, he saves the Christian spirit. So um, it was really good for me to be able to read those. Um, and then close to Psalms is the book of Job and Job, God loved Job and God, um, he he bragged about Job to Satan and yet he allowed just terrible suffering for Job. And, and one day he lost, you know, his family and, and his possessions and even his health. And he would cry out um, to God and say, why are you doing this to me? And, and God's response to Job was, uh, I am sovereign and, and I am powerful. And, and that's what you need to know. And so reading through Job was really good for me um, because it taught me that I don't need to know all of the whys in my suffering. Like I didn't have to figure out why this was happening and this delay was happening, but to know that God was sovereign and good. Um, so that was really, really powerful for me. And then you get into the New Testament and it's Jesus. And he's just the man of sorrows who, who chose suffering and chose to be on the cross um, and, and endure incredible amount of suffering for my salvation. And it was good for me to read through um, just the gospels of Jesus to be reminded that like, here I am praying for this small rescue when God has already done this huge rescue in my life, just making me uh, alive from being dead for giving me salvation. And if he is powerful enough to save me from death to life, of course, he can save me out of another country. So that was really good. And then it was, um, you know, the New Testament, the, the the new church and those new believers who were just following after Jesus. So they were choosing suffering just like Jesus did and and just um, allowing themselves to be to be beaten and persecuted just for the sake of the kingdom, because that is more powerful than, um, you know, our earthly comfort. Um, and then and then I really liked Romans, like the letters um, in Romans eight. It says that um, God works all things um, for our good to form us into his image. And so sometimes um, God allows suffering because he wants us to look like him. And that's a very good gift. So seeing suffering as just a gift from God, because he just so wants us to look more like his son. Um, and then Revelation. Right. Because. I never think about heaven as much as I should, but just a reminder that earth is just so short. 
Uh, and our time on earth is so short and the suffering is so temporary and eternity is so long. Um, and all of the circumstances that happen in our life are just so short. Uh, but we get to be in heaven with God where there's no suffering in his presence forever and ever. And that is such a comfort when you're in suffering um, to know that it's that it's temporary and God will bring an end to it. Um, so all that to say, doing a lot of reading cover to cover, just seeing um, who God is, just God's character um, through his word um, and just um just taking that in um, when I had not very many words to say to him, just hearing him talk to me through, through the Bible. Wow. Okay. So I am so encouraged by you and I can, the love that you have for the Lord and God's word is truly evident in all that you're saying and doing. And I feel like I just read the Bible and an overview from, from the front to the back, but I want to point out one thing you said is that suffering is a gift from God. And I think that's something for all of us just to kind of sit and marinate in and think about, because I think a lot of times we don't connect that of being a gift. We actually ask why God, why would you allow this? Why? But changing our mindset and, and realizing that, is that a gift from God? Like, is that for me to look more like him when I come on the other side of it? So I would love for you to speak into you know, those that maybe are right now going through a season of waiting or, or suffering. And I know your heart is to encourage them and I'm encouraged already, but I'd love for you to share even, what would you say to that person right now that isn't, that finds themselves there? Yeah. I, I remember when God was teaching me that suffering was a gift and I didn't want to receive that. Um, when he was telling me that, because I was like, I don't, I don't care about being more like Jesus. I just wanted to be home because that was just where I was at mentally. Um, but just coming back and knowing that, like, I, I see that myself, I, I am different. I am more like him. And, um, and just praying that God will make my heart more like him in that. Um, cause, cause the best way that God can love us, the best gift he can give us um, outside of salvation is making us look more like him because then we get to be part of um, just who he is and his, his uh, mission in the world. Um, so I guess I would say to people who are suffering, just trust God and trust the story that he is writing for you because he is good and he loves you and he has your purpose. Um, he has your best interests in mind and he writes the best stories and um, they will include suffering um, because that is part of um, the process of sanctification of, of just life. Um, but through that, you will, you will treasure God more. Um, and I don't know, I, I heard a quote and I don't know who it's from. Uh, I wish I could tell you, um, but uh, it's, it says that God whispers in our life in our normal day life, but he shouts in our suffering. Um, well, we I say that again, we say <laughs> that again. Yeah. God whispers in our lives just when our lives are just normal, but he shouts in our sufferings. Um, wow. And at the end of the day, sometimes it's hard when you're in suffering to accept suffering as a gift, but when you come out of it, um, you can say that it's worth it all because of, 
who you know God to be and who you are and a result of that. Um, and I, I think I've been home for about six months and I don't know if I'm quite in that place where I can say, man, those three years of um, isolation was worth it all. But I think I'm going to get to that point. And I, I do think it's truth um, that, that God has an incredible plan for my life. It did include three years of being stuck in Ghana, but it was good. Um, and God has a really good plan um, for everyone's life. And, and it will include hard things, um, but there's a reason. Um, and, and God will get you through it. And God will be with you. And God will not take his goodness away from you. He's still good. He's still he still loves you. Um, and you going through suffering does not mean he's not. Mm. Mm. Amen. I want to point out one of the things when I asked you, how you make a difference in yourself. I love what you said and that you said, God allows me to spend time in his word, come into his presence. But I want to focus on, you said that God allows you. And then you went on, you said, I choose to spend time with him, with the one the incredible difference that's made in your life. So I love how you said that God allows us to spend time with him, come into his presence. And then it's also a choice to spend time with him. Um, and I love that. And if those listening, I, I mean, be encouraged that it's a gift that we get to, but then it's also a choice we have to make. Um, is there anything that you, in addition to, man, all the amazing things you've already shared, is there anything else that you would love to maybe God's put on your heart or want our listeners to hear about prayer, about anything? This is your time to do that. Yeah, I would just say, um, if you're in a season of suffering, I think it's common to doubt the goodness of God, uh, but don't run away from God. Just keep wrestling with God and keep praying and keep reading his word um, because he's present in that and he wants you to know his character and he, he will show up and he will reveal himself to you. So, so don't give up. Don't give up on God if, if you're in a really dark place. Um, and then the last thing I want to say is... Um, you know, consider adoption. Um, <laughs> maybe not from Ghana because <laughs> it's a really hard country to adopt from, but uh, our lives are changed from adoption. Um, we love adoption. We love um, our son. Uh, when we first started our adoption journey, we would tell people that we were adopting and they always had kind of a horror story that they would tell us of another family they knew who kind of had a really rough adoption experience. And we would always say, oh, no, that will never happen to us. And now our story is kind of the horror story that other people <laughs> care about. But, but I want people to know that our story is not a horror story, um, but that it is a redemption story. Um, and it is a story of God mm -hmm. taking a couple who didn't have kids and, and bringing him a beautiful child and, and, and taking a child without parents and giving him a family. Um, and Enoch is seven years old, um, but if I ask him if God is real, he'll tell me, oh, I know God is real because he gave me a visa and no one else can do that. And so my seven-year-old has seen God work in mighty ways, um, and it's just incredible to see that. And, and that never would have happened if um, we didn't say yes to God in this. Wow. You mentioned that one of the ways you want to make a difference in the world around you is that you really hope your family um, one day will be able to give back to the country they gave you your son, yeah, you know, in Ghana. So do you have any idea maybe what that looks like or you're just kind of praying through that or anything you want yeah. to share? Um, 
I need to do some healing. I've got some PTSD um, that's associated of course. with the of Ghana, um, but I don't know. Um, yeah. My husband loves discipleship. We both love discipleship um, and that's there's a need there in, in African countries for a more deep knowledge of the word of God. Um, but then my son, he he's from the Volta region and there's lots of um, children that are taken um, from the Volta region and um, made to uh, work in, in boats. Um, so they're turned into slaves, fishing slaves. Um, and it would be, um, maybe a, a good time for us to teach him, um, about the, the region he is from and allowing him to give back somehow that way. So we, we're not sure we're still praying. Um, but we know that our story in Ghana has not ended yet. Amen. Well, one last thing I want to ask you, I'm sure your prayer life has drastically increased since you have gone to Ghana and maybe it's changed. And I'm sure you've seen how God has worked miracles through prayer. Is there maybe one story that you've seen him truly a miracle has happened that you've seen him answer a prayer that you're fervently praying? I mean, our big prayer that was answered was that visa. It was very difficult to get it. And um, Satan doesn't want kids and families. And we had so much just spiritual darkness, um, just fighting for that visa. Um, and God moved, um, without going into a lot of details, moved some mountains to be able to um, let us take him home. But even in our three years in Ghana, we never got sick. Uh, we were able to financially, Matthew would come and visit so many times. I think, I don't know, 10 or 12 times the whole process. Every few months he was able to come and we were able to do finance, financially support um, to rents. Um, and so we just saw him just sustain us, just those, those, need, those small needs. Um, every single day he, he helped us. He got us through the day emotionally. My poor husband was home in America <laughs> without his family. And it was really hard for him too. And he doesn't get to share as much as me. Um, but God sustained us. Um, and he took care of us. And so it's not, you know, those big, those big answered prayers, but we, we sensed his, his, his work in our life every day. Amen. Well, Megan, if anyone wants to find you or has questions, is there a way that they can connect with you? Yeah. I'm not social. I'm not super on social media. I am on Facebook. Um, so yeah, Megan McCleary, Facebook and Instagram. Every once in a while, I'll put a picture of the kid up, but that's about it. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'd love to connect with you that way. Awesome. Well, we're praying for you. And as God continues your story in this journey and praying for Enoch, he is precious. Um, <laughs> so thank you again for being on here. And for those that are listening, I pray you're encouraged and challenged today. And I just um, pray that we all will go and make a difference. Thank you for listening to Make a Difference Monday. If you would like to learn more about how you can make a difference, visit thepearlhouse.org.